Blues News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. You know, we have this saying on our team, it's called break the rock. And what it is, is when, when I grow tired and weary, is the saying, I look at a stone cutter and I see him swinging his hammer at a stone and he just keeps going and keeps going. He doesn't stop. He doesn't, he doesn't stop and look for cracks in that rock. He doesn't stop, you know, wipe the sweat off his face. He just keeps swinging his hammer. And that's what this team's all about. We don't, we don't look up looking for awards or anything. We're nose to the grindstone. We're swinging that hammer and we're not resting until that rock breaks. And when it breaks, we know it's not that one swing that we did, but it's all the ones that came before. So it, you guys will say, oh, 19 points came from this play, this play. No, it came from everything before it. Everything attributes to all the points we scored today. Offense, defense, special teams. Everyone played their tails off. I'm so happy for these guys. And it's a fun one when the rock breaks. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks recap. And Iowa's 22-0 win over Rutgers to clinch a share of the Big Ten West. A shot to clinch it outright and punch that ticket to Indy next week against Illinois. But we'll stay focused on the Scarlet Knights for now. Mitch Vick, Owen Sebring, Mike Howell here. To recap everything, of course, thanks to everybody for tuning in on a Sunday. If you're streaming this live on YouTube on the Iowa's News Now YouTube channel. Of course, you can also get kind of those... Clips, the smaller bits uh, on Eye on the Hawks on Twitter and on the Iowa's News Now Instagram page. We'll be sharing those throughout the week. But we keep our focus on a day that a lot of people have been waiting for in Iowa City. 400 yards of offense, 22 points when translated to Hawkeyes is like 50 points. <laughs> uh, just a heck of an offensive run out there. You heard about the, the break the rock mentality, and Mike brought up a, a good point that there's probably a good analogy between Iowa viewing themselves as stone cutters in an age where you could probably just get a machine to do the work for you, but <laughs> that isn't how they do things over the last 25 years in Iowa City. But that offense, boy, in the post game, just super excited about a game they've been chipping away for for a while. The biggest thing was just trying to grow each week. Um, I felt I've gotten a little bit better each week that we've been playing. Um, the same goes for the offense. You know, we've all been trying to work, and with we feel like we've been growing each and every week. Um, I think that really just showed today as a whole. Um, you know, not just me. I wouldn't be able to do it without the guys around me, especially, you know, Caleb, off, that's offensive line, played great today. Running backs, everybody was all around. Uh, for, I thought Brian called a great game. Um, they put a great plan together. And so I think it just shows what, as an offense, you know, how much we've grown. This whole year we've been we've been working hard. And obviously the, the beginning part of the year didn't go how we wanted to with the offense. But Coach Ferentz and all the other coaches and everyone on our team knows that it's just going to take us getting in rhythm. And today I felt like we, we found some rhythm in our offense and now we just got to keep it going. Could we, could we stack this on next week and could we stack it on at practice, continue to work hard every single day and get better every single day? Just the, the typical stuff I always say, we just got to keep focusing on the little things and it'll take care of itself. Most notably, you know, the offense I think took a big step and you know, we, we put points on the board in the second half, but even in the first half, I think if you look what they did, um, you know, we had a field position that was not real good two times inside the 10. Still still found a way to drive it out there and give Tory a chance to flip field position. Uh, we weren't necessarily holding the field position the way we wanted to, uh, but that was better in the second half, certainly. So just as the game kept going, thought our guys got more confident and we, uh, you know, did some good things out there. You know, you, you can't microwave this stuff. You just can't microwave. Same thing at the offensive line. I thought today was their best day. But it's a matter of just, you know, you got to practice. you got to watch film, look what you're not doing well, and then just keep working at it. And, um, 
you know, Deacon still made the one mistake there right before halftime, but I thought, you know, clearly he was playing with more confidence out there. We were helping him a little bit more. And, uh, but most importantly, he did the job. And I think that you talk about resiliency. I think, you know, that's the first word I would use with him. You can't microwave this stuff. And I think uh, there were some difficult realizations and understandings and coping with that when you see a kid in Deacon Hill go out those first few starts who hadn't played football in a good long while at a competitive level. And now these last two games, 10 of 15 at Evanston, maybe not the yardage you'd expect seeing 10 for 15, but tomorrow or yesterday, 20 of 31, 223, a touchdown, a pick. Uh, you heard about the pick at the end of that drive. I, I think they had to have still gone into halftime encouraged because that was as nice of a drive as you could ask for. And there's still meat on that bone. He uh, just was just a little bit wide or long on that opening drive to Nico on a long one uh, and then on one to Caleb Brown. But of course, Caleb Brown, boy, folks had high expectations for him transferring in from Ohio State, a big game for him. Filling in for Deontay Vines, again, next man in on full display there. So his first career touchdown late to help make that a 22-0 win. We've got two minutes worth of offensive highlights we're going to go through because there were a lot of storylines in the game where you have unbelievable 402 yards. This is a great catch out just before the pick, uh, but Caleb just, man, got his opportunity, got targets, and, and really made some nice plays. We expected to see a lot of touchdown passes from one big 10 transfer to another Big Ten transfer this year. <laughs> did not happen that way. And, and, and we got got a few of those. Between we did not Kate expect Zach Ortworth to have the longest reception of the season for Iowa, but the freshman from St. Louis making a, a great play there. Uh, Deacon said his eyes went – he saw Zach's eyes just go wide. Uh, this was a nice little play here uh, as well to the man who is now the second leading receiver for Iowa this season, Addison Estranga. Eight catches for I think it was 47 yards yesterday for um, – 47 yards. He now has 14 catches on the season, uh, which is second on the team because that's how it is in 2023. Nico Ragani had a podium game for the first time in a while. Four catches for 48 yards. Uh, it was nice to see him. And then Jazz Patterson helping lead a, a really nice uh, rushing attack yesterday. 14 carries, 53 yards, and that touchdown. Uh, Caleb Johnson had 54 carries or <laughs> 10 carries, That'd 54 yards. Wouldn't be the record. I think uh, Jordan uh, Kanzeri had like 45 or 46 at one point. But there's the long one for Caleb Johnson, who didn't get a touch last week at Evanston. 10 carries, 54 yards for him. LaShawn Williams, 13 carries for 63 yards. Also had a couple catches for, I believe, 24 yards total right there. Yeah, a nice little 17-yard play off the screen. Just anybody and everybody got an opportunity and did a little something with it. Again, behind a, an offensive line where Logan Jones, I think, started but then wasn't able to finish the game, so Tyler Ellsbury had to Did he start out there? there. I think he, he did. I think start? that's what Kirk said in the postgame. Um, Rusty Feth was in and out a little bit. Mason Richmond, who you heard off the top, uh, played. He was a little banged up after Evanston. But, uh, boy, just a, a game where, yeah, if – if you took a few swings at that rock, it really felt like it, uh, it broke in a lot of good ways. Just a matter of figuring out how to keep breaking a broken rock, I guess, uh, going forward. But what a, what a game and uh, an important one in that Big Ten West race. If that fourth quarter Iowa team is the team that we get going forward, I mean, that, that's a team that not only are they not going to lose the next two weeks, but that's a team that could compete in that Big Ten title game. I mean, they, they look good all game, for sure. At least the defense looked great. Uh -huh. Offense was definitely improved a lot. But the fourth quarter, I mean, they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter. Again, extrapolated over a whole game, which we love to do. That's 60 points. Again, that's a lot in one quarter, 15 is. That's um, just math, folks. <laughs> and, th yeah, that's a team that, you know, could, could compete against an Ohio State or Michigan if they play like that every game. What's really encouraging is no three and outs. The only three-play drive they had was off the Quinn interception. We'll talk about Quinn's big play 
coming up a little later. But start the game off with a 10-play drive. It was only 45 yards, but still, you know, could have had a field goal after that. You, you asked Kirk about <laughs> the mental fortitude that Drew has for after missing a kick. and <laughs> Two games like, in a row. Called it a chip shot. He should have made it. But, We've um, talked a lot about Ricky Stanzi's mental fortitude in 2023 yeah. as well. Um, Replay, was, three drives over over 10 plays. 10 for 41 wow. or 45, 10 for 37 that resulted in the first field goal, and then 12 for 44 that resulted in a field goal. The next step is like take these field goals, turn them into touchdowns. Yeah. Because if you want to compete with in Ohio State or a Michigan, whoever you're going to play, likely in Indy, you know, assuming they don't lose the next two games, they win at least one of them, um, you're going to need seven mm-hmm. instead of three. Yeah. I think a lot of people were probably pretty discouraged after that first drive because that's what we've seen nearly every game this year is Iowa puts together a really great first offensive drive, and then, you know, they score or they don't score, and then that's the only good drive they have all game. Um, but then, you know, they just kept cranking them out where it's like that, just by even by the third quarter, I think I was asking you, Mike, like, dude, their time of possession is insane mm-hmm. today. I mean, they are just like hammering this ball right down their throats. They're getting first downs. That is an offense like we haven't seen out of Iowa all season. And I think it would be, I wouldn't be quite as encouraged about it if this had come against, say, like Michigan State or Purdue. You know, it's like a team that's like at the bottom of the Big Ten standings. Like, okay, well, they did what they were supposed to do. But Rutgers is a good team. This is you a might great look at team. a Rutgers and think that they are because just historically, when they've joined the Big Ten, they haven't done it. But this is a decent. This is a good defense. Yeah. And the offense. I mean, they've they've been effective at least rushing the ball. You know, you could say that they're one dimensional, which maybe leans into Iowa's defense's favor. But still, like, it's not a traditional Rutgers team. They're pretty good on both sides of the ball, and it was a really encouraging game. A defense that came in second only to Iowa in the FBS in number of 20-plus yard plays given up. I think it was 17, and boy, Iowa had a few of those that went over 20 and, again, had a couple shots to to move the ball even more. So, boy, a, a super encouraging thing. And, yeah, if they play like they did in the fourth quarter, that's a team that can have a fight with anyone. I mean, we <laughs> talked about it from... We've talked about it for like three years now. If Iowa just had like a yeah. middle of the road offense and, you know, it could have, should have, would have situation, say what it is. But boy, yeah, you saw a little bit of, again, 22 points for Iowa feels like. <laughs> it even felt, even after that second field goal, and you saw Rutgers changed, they went three and out on three straight passes. And it's like, even they know six nothing for Iowa is a pretty big yeah. lead. And they're like, oh, we got to figure out a way to get a touchdown <laughs> quick. It's really encouraging about the offense, too. And I don't know if, if you guys picked up on, or maybe I misreading it but I feel like they did do a lot like their scheme was a little different there's a lot of quick hitches that resulted in five which you've been calling for for two and a half years yeah (laughs) um sometimes it doesn't work you know there was one to to, well I guess it was an end around to Nico that got blown up sometimes those don't but there were two end arounds I mean Caleb had what 25 yards rushing off end arounds like that yeah it was yeah I know he had two plays Three, three for 27 along of 11 and then had the uh or no he had two two catches or I can't read today. Two rushes for 20 yards, long of 13, and then had the three catches for 27 yards. So you look at that, and it's like, oh, 50 yards. And if you look at across college football, you're like, all right, that's a so-so game. But, you know, for this Iowa offense, he's really come as one of the go-to weapons in the last two games, at least. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That's very encouraging because you were missing someone who could make a play, and he's he's made a lot of plays in the last couple halves. Big thing for Iowa, too, I think they had a lot of – good first down plays. And I mean, anybody will tell you, you have a strong first down play where you're setting up second and one to five is a heck of a lot better than second and 10, second and nine. I mean, that first play of that opening drive was leash on for nine yards. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, 
get you ahead of the sticks uh, pretty quickly. Of course, though, this is still Iowa in 2023. It's all about the defense still. 127 yards, they hold the Scarlet Knights to. You had Kyle Monagai, the leading rusher in the Big Ten, the only guy in the conference averaging over 100 yards a game, bottled up 13 for, I believe it was, 39. Uh, And we were talking, had a, a good chunk of those yards early in this game. Gavin Wimsat, who's a guy who can run around quite a bit, he was bottled up, but... Another quintessential Iowa defensive performance where they finally get a shutout this season. And, uh, of course, the guys are really excited about all that after the game. No, that, that's definitely a goal of ours every week. Um, and being a Mike backer, that's, that's a dream come true. I mean, I just feel like we played a great game uh, top down. Um, I think we held them to 30 rushing yards. Um, and I think they were leading the Big Ten or something like that. So... Uh, we, we knew how explosive their offense was. Uh, we knew the challenge we were facing. Um, I mean, I, I just felt like we did a great job um, handling their, their offensive weapons uh, today. Yeah, I mean, I think it starts up front, really, with the defensive line. Um, those guys playing into blocks and just really being physical within the run game um, and trying just to get them out of things that they really like to do. Um, but that's a heck of a football team we just played against. And uh, we knew that going in that they have a heck of a quarterback, heck of a running back. And um, that D-line just did a great job just kind of controlling the line of scrimmage and, and making the job easier for us second in. Yeah, we, uh, we get spoiled with Iowa's offense, as we know, to where, oh, 127 yards, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that sounds about <laughs> right. But, boy, you, you know they hang their hat on when they can get a shutout. And, and Docterman, who... <laughs> Jay Higgins pointed out to you're the guy who likes the history when he was talking about uh, free safeties. And we'll get to that in a little bit again, talking about Quinn Schulte. But four games, one offensive touchdown given up for this, yeah. this Iowa defense. And it came with less than two minutes to go against Northwestern last week. Yep. Off a short field. Off like a, a short field. Uncharacteristically off, bad punt. A.J. Henning had the nice return. We wax poetic more often than not deservedly so about Iowa defenses, what they have put together this year, given the offense trying to find its footing again, it's about as impressive as, as anything. I, I have to think Phil's a, a Broyles semifinalist, finalist. I don't know where those lists are. We'll talk watch lists here, and, or not watch lists, but semifinalists too a little bit today. But it's, they've been phenomenal. And they're the reason Iowa's got a share of the West already with a chance to to clinch it next week. I forget who it was that tweeted out where their yards per play given up averages. I don't know if that was Eichholt or somebody else, but it's like, it's a, just like percentage points behind where it was last year, but it's like, you know, 3.99 yards per play or something like that, which yesterday, last year was like 3.86 yards per play, something to that effect. But Let me see if I can lift that up. <clears throat> I remember early, like after four games this season, we were thinking, you know, okay, defense still good, but it looks like it takes a step back. And then the last four or five games you're like yeah. and maybe that's a, a product I if you look at um, some of the, the national rankings the Big Ten West is definitely at the bottom mm-hmm. of the barrel when it comes to offense mm-hmm. in general in the defensive rankings they're mostly Big Ten teams and is that just the style of the of the conference can you attribute that you know yeah. less pass happy and less you know colder weather more rushes than than say the SEC the ACC and, and Pac-12 M- yeah. maybe that has something to do with it but still very impressive what's what's really interesting too again we've played 10 games and still just one rushing touchdown allowed all season that was the Purdue one that late quarter against yeah. Purdue yeah kind of, you know not necessarily a meaningless touchdown but didn't matter a whole lot in that the course of that game is 
I don't know, historically, too, does that have some significance? Like last year, did they give up more rushing touchdowns? Or, I mean, I one, one rushing touchdown through 10 games seems unbelievable. I mean, that seems incredible for that front seven. There's got to be so many just Snapple facts coming out of this <laughs> Iowa defense that just all, none of them shock you. You're uh, just like, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's, it's an eye test. You watch them, and uh, they just look great. The top four teams in the country – when it comes to yards per play surrendered, our Big Ten teams, one of them is from the Big Ten West, and that is the number one team in America now, Iowa giving up exactly four yards per play. Ohio State second at 4.04, Penn State third at 4.13, Michigan fourth, 4.23. grief. Uh, the next closest is Nebraska, actually, or excuse me, Rutgers. After a decade, I still don't remember Rutgers is in the Big Ten sometimes. <laughs> Uh, they are giving up 4.59 yards per play. Nebraska 13th at 4.71. So that's I, why I wonder if the Big Ten has something to do with it. You know, because the, <laughs> there's the a lot of offenses sure. that are not West, good. In Wisconsin this country, is 19th, 4.89. Uh, Iowa State 23rd, 4.92. Iowa State. This is a Hawkeye podcast, folks. Iowa State's bowl eligible. Yep, they looked great last they night. They didn't get to watch they, that game, they, but I, mean, I was they shocked didn't get at the done until sunrise. But yeah, yeah. too uh, late for me. Boy, right. yeah, kudos to. Uh, you just walk into Provo. Matt Campbell, Big 12 Coach of the Year, question mark? I mean, who, oh, who thought they were going to compete for anything? Hot <laughs> Not so hot anymore, I guess. Yeah. Boy, what game was that? You, uh, that dude? Ohio. That was, that was Ohio, Ohio, yeah. Boy, you just don't go into the home of Curtis Fader and, uh, <laughs> and won a football. What a, yeah, just, hey, salute to the folks' names. That's, yeah. that's been a fun little story. Yeah, I, t- I mean, just to turn this into a Cyclone podcast for a second, I mean, that, that team last night, I mean, Provo's, you know, BYU's not a great team in the Big 12. All the new newcomers in the Big 12 have been pretty lousy this year. But, like, there was still a 5-4 team that could have become bowl eligible yesterday. And Iowa State, I mean, I watched probably the last three quarters of that game. They killed them. I mean, they just destroyed every aspect of that game. They were unbelievable yesterday. I think there were high hopes for Abu Sama eventually in Ames doing something. I mean, we saw what he did at Southeast Polk, but... Man, he's been fun. Yeah, he's been so. Big Twelve's an interesting conference with the new four teams that they've had. Yeah. They haven't had a lot of success. I guess uh, UCF beat up who they beat Oklahoma State, who who had they a good turnaround. Pounded Oklahoma yeah. State. It was like forty-five to three. But I was I was listening to the Chris Williams podcast with the Iowa Everywhere. Iowa Everywhere. Yeah, they were talking about how BYU's really struggled against the Big Twelve teams, except when they host games at night. So I kind of thought <laughs> Iowa State would struggle a little bit. Like the only two. I think they have like one or two that's, wins in conference. That's a man who watches the betting lines yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> at home, at night. Uh, and Iowa gets a little bit of a, an afternoon game, not totally night, but boy, when the sun goes down at Kinnick, it does feel special in there. And that'll be the case next week against Illinois when they get a chance to clinch their second Big Ten West title in three years, their third overall. And of course, the last year you can cl- clinch a division title. We will talk about Iowa's road to a division crown right after the break. Before we move any farther forward, I want to give a shout out to our listeners in Cebu City, Cebu City of the Philippines. Uh, I didn't think we'd get any uh, any listeners coming from the far side of the world today, but uh, we got we got somebody to shout out from uh, the capital city of Cebu Island. Uh, I, I haven't been brushing up on my Tagalog recently, but Kumuesta. Uh, as, as I think they say in the Philippines. Look at this guy. We're that, world podcast, international now. Yeah. We've, uh, someone's in the YouTube chat for somebody listening to this on Tuesday and wondering what in the world's happening. Um, we got somebody in the YouTube chat talking about that. Is Hair Trigger in there? Hair Trigger, are you here? Yeah, he's there. Okay. 
<laughs> Morning, Hair Trigger. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Thanks for, thanks for holding this whole podcast together, Hair Trigger. Uh, so we move on now to the world that is Iowa on the doorstep of clinching the Big Ten West. If you watched the game on BTN, you saw an emotional Kirk, somebody, something we're getting used to uh, these last few years, being told they'd clinched a share of the West. And uh, boy, saw Kirk uh, get a little emotional in the postgame, too, with us uh, and the rest of the local media. But Iowa uh, went away. If they can win on senior day against Illinois, we'll clinch the Big Ten West and punch that ticket to Indy. Kirk, after the game, talking about that opportunity in front of the Hawkeyes. Uh, I mean, that's objective. I mean, back when you start this thing up, I mean, that's subjective is you want, you want to win a championship, you want to win a title, you want to win your division. Um, but I think right now we're just focused on winning the next game. And um, just I, I didn't even know that was at stake, really. I mean, we just want to know every week is the mentality, uh, not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves, enjoy this one tonight, and then back to the film room tomorrow and go through the preparation this week. And uh, the, the one thing I've, I've always enjoyed about football and not enjoyed about football is it's very humbling. You, you never have it figured out, and that's like, you know, real life is the same way. So, um, you know, all you can do is show up and try to do your best, give an honest day's effort, have a good attitude, and, and then you never quit, you know? You never quit. So that's what the guys are doing. And... Um, the big thing right now, we got two opportunities, and um, you know, it's nothing's going to be easy. Like you know, you just hear the scores from around the, the uh, country today. Nothing's ever easy. Nothing's ever predictable. But but the good news is, it's uh, when guys get to taste some success. I think that grows uh, confidence a little bit, and we need to grow confidence. You know, we're we're uh, you know in bad need of that. So um, hopefully, we can build on this, and we'll see how these next two weeks go. Yeah, you see the score of the. Uh the Illinois-Indiana game and see what Illinois' backup quarterback John Paddock's doing, 500 yards in that uh, overtime win. He's uh, he's going to be a guy Phil Parker's team gets the scheme up for, but there's a shot from David Eichold. He he was asking about just, yeah, the overcoming of, of adversity, and that's a face we, we saw a few times yesterday from Kirk of just – he's gotten real good um, <laughs> the last few years of being able to just get that – Crunch it back yeah, inside. Yeah, he, he – uh, Hold know, it back. Let, lets it poke out a bit and then uh, is able to compose himself. And Saw a lot of that in Nashville last year. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think we talked about out this earlier in the, the year, just guys get older and there's more more emotions there, um, whether it's biological and chemical or just you've, you've seen some stuff and you understand how important every one of those cool little moments is. And, again, we'll talk about one of those moments here in a little bit. But, listen, Big Ten East – is what it is. Jim Harbaugh, if Michigan runs the table, will not be Big Ten Coach of the Year. He's been suspended for half the regular season. Assuming Michigan goes 12-0, Ryan Day with an 11-1 Buckeye team that's a non-divisional winner is not going to win Big Ten Coach of the Year. If Kirk Ferentz and this Iowa team go 10-2, win the West with an elite defense and special teams, but also a backup quarterback, second and third string tight ends, a beat-up offensive line, and a running back room that's taken some hits too, and a wide receiver core that doesn't have the numbers that other wide receiver cores do, Kirk Ferentz is going to be Big Ten Coach of the Year in 2023. So you're not saying that he should be. You're saying he's going to be. I'm saying if they go 10-2 and two and Michigan wins out, Kirk Ferentz will be Big Oh, so this is a scenario in which Michigan wins. I mean, if, if Iowa loses out and they finish 8-4, and four, then no, they're not going to be. Yeah. But if they say they lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game? I think those awards are before the, yeah. aren't they? Or they? I think so, too. Yeah. I, I think given what they are on the road to doing mm -hmm. with what they've done it with, 
and a lot of, a lot of folks picked Iowa to win the West, it was Iowa or Wisconsin to win the West. You could argue, and Mason Richmond even said he goes, um, said something, Kirk is just coaching his tail off this year. Mm-hmm. There's a darn good argument this is one of his best yeah. coaching jobs. Right. And his whole staff is involved with that, whether it's Brian on offense, again, great uh, game for Brian on offense. Phil does what Phil does. LeVar Woods with special teams, all the position coaches from Seth Wallace, Abdul Hodge, uh, Kelton Copeland. I'm forgetting guys there, of course. Uh, Seth Wallace, I think I already said, but it's just been, this is as impressive as you could ask for. Yeah, I would not disagree with you. And I think that, you know, there's certainly a, a case to be made, like a strong case to be made for Kirk as head coach. I think that a lot of times in these Big Ten awards, they just tend to give best coach to the best team. And so if Ohio State wins out and they beat Michigan. I think, yeah, uh, if I think Ohio that, State wins out, if they beat Michigan, I think Brian Day will be. However, the other coach that I think deserves, deserves a strong look at that is David, David Braun. Braun. I mean, what he's done at Northwestern. Brought that up earlier. Everything yeah. that he did in the everything that happened there in the postseason, boy, or the offseason, that's been a incredible coaching job that David Broad's done in Evanston. And he'd be more than more than deserving to get. Yeah, that's um, got the Big Ten West standings up on the screen yeah. right now on YouTube, and it's a uh, they're technically in second with the tiebreakers, but there's five teams tied for second at three and four. It's kind of just <laughs> <That is laughs> it's beautiful if you're a Westie, sicko, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's just something that to is behold. Big Ten Westy folks, yeah. that's great. Look at that. 86 points allowed in conference by Iowa. 31 of those came against Penn State. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to do the math here, but there's probably a scenario where Iowa math. loses out and still goes to the Indy. There's probably a formula for that. Yeah, that's a, a sickos thing that I don't want to go too down, <laughs> far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, and all those teams, all those three and four teams are five and five too. Wow. Yeah. That is just... <laughs> what I, a Big Ten West sandwich you got there. They, they would need both... Like, if Iowa loses out, they would need Nebraska and, well, yeah, I guess that, I mean, Nebraska, Illinois, and Minnesota would need to lose another game. Ohio, Minnesota plays Ohio State. Yeah. I know that for sure. So we'll assume that is going to be a loss, but Nebraska and Illinois, too, because if they happen yeah. to beat Iowa the next two weeks, then they would be ahead of them in sure. the innings. And the, let's, let's stir the pot a bit. Iowa is this away from being 9-1 <laughs> and one and already clinching the West. That's a good point. Yeah. And they'd be... Oh, who did you, you just wave to? Just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks this like when an, you stir This was pot. an invalid greeting, yeah. He's stirring. Um, yeah, this is, this is how you stir pots. Um, boy, isn't that wild? Yeah. That's wild. And they'd probably be ranked, After I'm guessing they would have been like 17 yeah. in this first CFP. Cooper yeah. might still have a little bit of that Dark Horse Heisman hype. I just, hey, if, it's, there's a timeline out there. If you guys have been watching Loki, there's some timeline <laughs> where that's... Uh, I mean, if that happens, there's an outside chance that Iowa makes a CFP. I mean, if that happens, they go to the Big Ten title game and they beat 12 and 1 in the Big Ten. Yeah. And your only (laughs) loss is to a (laughs) Penn State State team that just has the uh, unfortunate situation of playing in the Big Ten. They have been the. (laughs) Penn State, you could argue, is probably a top 5 6 team Mm -hmm. these last five years. And the only thing you can knock them for is that they have to play two of the three, four best teams Mm -hmm. every single year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it'd be tough to do that. I mean, and that's going to be the new Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to play them every year. So there could be scenarios where a couple teams are 7-2. and two, or Wait, still doing nine games. Yeah, 7-2, and 8-1. and one, But add Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. And it's going to be, like, really tough to get into that top four of the you're, Big Ten. You're going to have the ninth best team in the Big Ten probably competing for a 
a conference title in like one of those group of five. I mean, it's just going to be so stacked, and there's just going to be mm. a, a lack of visual parity. I guess you're. I mean, you're going to look at records and go, "Oh, that team's like seven and five, six and six. And be like, it, it's going to be. It's going to become what people did with. 500 SEC teams for a long time of like, well, yeah, if they were playing in like the ACC, they'd be running through people and like, there's probably gonna be a little bit of truth to that. There's gonna be some really good teams in these new super conferences that everybody's putting together. I got two things from uh, Hair Trigger, our, our, one of our top fans right now. Um, one, there's a timeline where Cooper is the QB. That's a funny line. I that is, that there's <laughs> absolutely a timeline, yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is a good question that he just threw out there. He'd rather play Ohio State. If, you, if you're picking and if you're Iowa, is that who you go with? You'd rather play just to give an outside shot at a potential win? I from Ohio State or Michigan? I think in those games you really look at quarterbacks, particularly if you've got a really good defense and who you're going against. I if Kyle McCord's grown quite a bit, I'd rather go up against Kyle McCord than JJ McCarthy. You, there's a darn good argument JJ McCarthy is the best quarterback in the country. That's a good that, that's a good point. JJ did leave at one point. No, he didn't leave. It was third down, but he did hop hoggle off the field. He was a little banged up. Yeah, I saw so that. So um, if that plays a factor, then obviously if you don't have a healthy 100% JJ McCarthy, maybe that's what you want to do. I think I heard a stat that they didn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter or maybe even the second half. They ran the ball mid, like early. He threw eight passes the yesterday. It was just but again they don't. The they no, got Blake Corum. We figured this out in the in the press room. Blake Corum has more touchdowns than Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not to Man. take any. But Blake Corum's a, a stud. <laughs> he's, he's a good. He's good a dude. He's a uh, right up there for the Doak Walker. But man, <laughs> that's uh. And Donovan Edwards only has like three hundred some yards rushing this year, and he was. I mean, it's just because they're not playing a lot of guys yeah. full games. I think that's a mm-hmm. big part of it. I mean, um, but yeah, big guy there for Ohio State too. I mean. Marvin Harrison Jr. is their big dude, and it's like you know going up against Iowa secondary. It's like that—that's a fun matchup. Yeah, it's a good matchup for one of those that you. Yeah, you. Is that one Cooper where you have... against Marvin Harrison Jr. for a whole? <laughs> I know game. Cooper yeah. usually plays on one side of the ball, and I think they moved him around. I can't remember which game, but they talked about it post game. Is that where you just have Cooper go up against Marvin Harrison Jr. the entire time? Yeah, and then you got Jamari on Emeka Abuka, or and a lot of teams are always picking on Jamari. It seems like every every game. Yeah. And he had a, a great, have he had a great a great pass breakup. There was the one I think it was Rutgers' longest longest game. Ian Strong had that twenty nine yarder, and I think it was on a third down where he catches it near the sidelines and just slips out of Jamari's. Uh, Jamari's we grasp. watching that at first. I thought I was like, oh, bad. It, it was not bad coverage. No. The ball was perfectly placed, and then he he slips out. Yeah, just just a weird kind of kind of turn there. It, it's all results of my bold prediction at the beginning of the season was that Jamari was going to have more interceptions than Cooper because they were going to go at him more. And so, yeah, it's, it's, we've got a bigger sample size of plays against Jamari versus plays against Cooper. Both of them done fantastic, but Jamari's had a couple of those were just like, yeah, they slip a tackle or there's a gain in front of them because they're in zone or something like that. But boy, for a guy who missed all last year and a couple games this year, I mean, he's, he's playing his best ball at the, at the right time of year. Mm-hmm. So you got to love it. Speaking of the Hawkeye secondary, there's a time-honored tradition where your free safety has to be a walk-on, uh, preferably from a parochial school. <laughs> and Quinn Schulte now takes that mantle. His third career interception yesterday helped set up that final touchdown. It's his first career interception at Kinnick Stadium. He had one, I believe, at Maryland in 2021, which was the last 400-yard game for Iowa, and then had one uh, to stop a scoring drive last year in that loss in Champaign against Illinois. Everyone in the postgame room 
thrilled for number 30. So happy for Quinn. Uh, Quinn, Quinn's probably one of my like, closer friends, uh, like away from football. Um, so it, it was happy to see him out there. I mean, guys, year five, um, you know, when you, you got a Cooper DeGene uh, that you guys love to cover, so you won't miss a Cooper DeGene story. Uh, but it's the it's those fifth year guys. Uh, that the that the media kind of forgets about. Uh, I mean, he's a two-year starter. Uh, he shows up to work every day, does his job. Like guys like that. That that's who I appreciate. Uh, those are the dudes that I love to play against, and just to see him get that moment. Uh, I told him he should have celebrated a little bit longer, but he was trying to run back to the sideline like Cooper. So. Oh my gosh, that was that was awesome. I I tried to block my butt off for that. I ran as fast as I could, and I didn't hit anybody. So. <laughs> Uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully next time I can I can make it a little bit better of a block for him, and, and he can get in the end zone. But uh, I mean, Quinn's one of my best friends, and I'm really appreciative and for everything he's done. And uh, that was just a heck of a play. And you just love when a guy like that makes a play like that. Yeah, you know, I tease Phil about like you know uh, you can't play free safety at all unless you're a walk on. You know, it's just how it is. And, and Quinn's in that boat. But uh, and then Phil plays this little game too for like you know I think it took, took him about a year and a half, maybe spring of, of Quinn's second year, maybe it's in the summer where he acts like he doesn't know his name. Like, you know, it's just, it's a little game he plays. I know Phil well enough now, uh, but I could tell he liked him right from the start. He's a serious, hardworking, focused guy. He wasn't good enough to play at that point, but uh, he had all the right attributes. So it was just kind of a matter of time before he was going to start to, he's been a good player for us, but he's really a strong team leader too and just so respected because his, his work ethic is, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the room all the time, but, you know, you just hear his teammates talk about him studying film, all, all the things he does, you know, it's just, it's pretty impressive. And that's the reason why he plays so well. Um, I, I, I said it after, the, it was that game that, did it go, did Quinn like force a fumble and Ethan Hurt get recovered? Is that how it went? That was so, the one. So uh, he actually didn't force a fumble. He, technically, yeah, he, he, was, he was in there. I think it was credited Jackson, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I still think, based on the video I saw, I'm like, mm, you based can't, on video you can't evidence, prove yeah. that Quinn did not force that. Anyway, Listen, there, there was a shared forced fumble. It's, it's games like that where I wish I could find uh, Dwayne Schulte's seats in the stadium to just yeah. see his reaction. Is it, I mean, I could see Dwayne just going like, you know, standing there, nodding his I, head. I've seen, or, the, I've seen their seats. They, it's it's like 40, 50 yard line behind the is it team. Yeah. One of the really cool moments, and I've had this a couple of times. So Bryce Schulte, uh, the the middle Schulte son, was a, a reserve tight end for Iowa too. I shot the twenty eighteen opener against Northern Illinois um, to get footage of Matt Nelson because we did a, it was Cyhawk game was on Fox the next week and we were doing um, Matt Nelson as another Xavier kid. Went to Iowa. His parents are both Cyclones, so he was raised a Cyclone fan. So that's why I was there shooting this game. But it was a big win over Northern Illinois. So Bryce Schulte got in, and so I took a couple ISO shots of just Bryce running routes and blocking and stuff. Sent that to Dwayne, which was super cool. So I got to send my shot of Quinn's interception last night to Dwayne, um, and just be like, "Hey, like, what a moment! Enjoy it!" And just like speechless, grateful. He's mm-hmm. just, it was just such, such a cool moment. So those are so fun, but. Um, we'll, we will make this a Cooper DeGene story for a minute, despite uh, Jay Higgins' uh, pushback on it. Cooper, when he has a big play, has zero reaction, no emotion. Look at Cooper DeGene, a la Max White touchdown against Western Michigan. Just go off for his kid. Boy, whether you're talking about Jake Gervas or Brett Greenwood or um, Joe Conklin, shout out Joe Conklin. Um, 
boy, you just always have a kid who is a darn good football player at the high school level in Iowa who comes into this program, and there's multiple examples of it, just come in and make their presence felt just because they hustle and they inspire, whether it's they watch film or they're just dedicated to it. Max White's another example of that as a, as a running back, and there's been a few of those as well from, from local schools. They're just, those are the moments that it sounds hallmark. It's kind of what it's all about. These guys who probably grew up wanting to play for Iowa and they get their opportunities and what a special moment is that and boy when you see people's faces light up the way it did when they're asked about Quinn last night just a super super fun thing that's kind of quintessential pun not quintessential. for for uh what Iowa's all about it sounds like he's a pretty good friend too everyone's like oh he's my best friend out here but just, just I a, want to be friends with him he sounds to, like to an quote, awesome quote friend Schulte's a good kid comes from a good family <laughs> and uh yeah he, he absolutely does so what a what an awesome moment there and uh yeah, as it's because this Iowa defense is so stout in the front seven and the corners, we haven't heard a whole lot about Xavier Wampa this year. Haven't heard a ton about Quinn either because the safeties are just sitting back there with a defense that's given up, what, 13 plays over 20 yards. There's not a whole lot happening over the top. So they're just stay stout, stay sound. And when you get a big play, you know, Xavier had his interception against Utah State, and I don't think he's had another one since, but he's just he's there. Yeah, he, those two are probably as sure tacklers as as anybody can be, um, you know, back there. And just because they don't have the the numbers and the stats doesn't mean they're not doing their jobs pretty well. Another mm-hmm. Dwayne Schulteism, just do your job out there. And uh, boy, Quinn's doing it in such a a fun moment again to have a return like that in a game like this. Finally getting one at home, uh, that's one he's going to remember for a while. I had a friend who's a big Iowa fan who told me once about, and I I forget if I'm going to say I don't know if I'm going to say the name right, but. Um, is there a tradition of like defensive backs and or linebackers and the Iowa defense called like a a Johnny Cornseed or or something like that? Are you familiar with this? Where it's like I've not heard that. Before. Yeah, I haven't heard that. <laughs> really, either. this is unfamiliar to you guys. Might be Johnny just your friend or something like that. Um, where it's like you know a kid who's a walk on and then you know not a guy who's probably going to get NFL looks, but. Um, you know, eventually makes his way into the starting lineup maybe and makes a few big plays throughout his career. And I was just thinking about that with a guy like Quinn. And we've seen a few of them at linebacker, obviously, with with Jack Campbell and Josie Jewell. And, I mean, those are the two that first spring. James Morris, you know, local Eastern Iowa kids that come in and are just stalwarts. Uh, Pat Anger out of Bettendorf back in the day. Um, yeah, just great linebackers. And you see it on the line sometimes. But, yeah, just it's that weird little niche position at, at Iowa that you'll have some kid that played free safety that was a walk-on and who kind of sets the standard and uh it's been super fun to see a kid that obviously I've been familiar with since he was uh just a, a, a young kid back with Reggie and Bryce and him and then Hope who's a former intern of ours uh shout that, out that's, that's uh that's a fun moment for the Schulte family and uh yeah yeah I remember last year stuff. he started the season and I think a lot of fans expected Xavier Wampa just to be the free safety. There was a lot day of talk. One, like, why, why is Xavier star. starting or not starting over Quinn? It's like, Quinn's earned a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's then, the fun juxtaposition of these two guys playing next to each other, a walk-on and this five-star recruit and look at him holding it down. Yeah, because you, you don't see the work that I think last year would have been his fourth year in the program. And you heard, heard Kirk like, at practice, he puts in a lot of work, watches a lot of game film. He's a leader. Fans don't get to see that because you don't get to go to practice, you know. So when Kirk you see, said something like that in post game, didn't he? Like, 
Yeah. You don't know how I play, so you guys don't get to see that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I think some programs open it up practice. Maybe we could get yeah. to see it. Now. Um, but w- once the game started, you could see why Quinn was, was playing, and he's had a couple of great years. And so just to see that interception at home on uh, what – I think is probably his second to last home game, right? Yep. Does he have another year? He doesn't have another co- I get so confused with the coach. They said he was a junior. Um, Quinn. Oh, he's a junior. I thought he was a I senior. thought that's what they said. Yeah, he's listed as a senior. I mean, maybe he has a sixth year. Yeah. If he wants to come back. Pretty cool moment, though. Yeah, red, redshirt in 2019, played in 2020, played in 20. So, yeah, this is his fifth year. So, I mean, he'll. I'm sure he'll go through senior day uh, next week. And, hey, you'll take him back there with Xavier another year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Xavier Kid and Xavier would be uh, nice uh, in the secondary. So Owen's got some trivia because Owen's a trivia guy. We're going to get to that and um, then see the answers we couldn't have in our picks <laughs> in the Big Ten West this week right after this. Bauman's has been selling quality clothing for over 100 years. We carry a wide selection of men's and women's clothing. We recently expanded to offer a great selection of shoes and accessories. We have the area's best selection of both big and tall and can outfit anyone from the farm to the office to a casual night on the town. Bauman's is a proud family-owned business and we're excited to continue the tradition of quality clothing and unmatched customer service since 1909. Visit us for all your clothing needs. And back to trivia with Owen Sebring. Owen? Now, I'll try to not give uh, too much away. I'm not sure if I'm going to be betraying any sources here. But <laughs> I'll say that I have a connection to a person who is on a city council in the greater uh, Iowa City area. And they have the ability to track GPS signals from phones to see the most popular restaurants after an Iowa football game. Okay. That's not the thing I'm worried about. When restaurants or bars? <laughs> What's that? Restaurants or bars? You just described... The third act the of the Dark Knight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you weren't on board with that. <clears throat> this is a Black Mirror, ep- or yeah, Black Mirror episode. <clears throat> so we're talking most popular restaurants. I've got the top two most popular restaurants to go to after an Iowa football game. Does it? Is it just okay? So I'm, maybe I'm getting the weeds, but I think. Oh man, our I'm phone, gonna, Our phones are getting tracked. I can't get past. I've that. got. I've got <laughs> I mean, three I in, in my mind, and one of them I don't know if it's considered a restaurant, but I've eaten there before. Okay. Is it Brothers? No. Big Grove's got to be one or two, I would think. No. Really? Airliner? That would be a good guess, but no, but no. I'm shocked it's not. Okay, my last guess is Joe's. No. Iowa City proper or like? Mm, Greater Iowa City area, yeah. Oh, okay. Reds in North Liberty? No, good guess though. You got to think of places that have space. 30 Hop in Coralville? I would just think all the kids go into one of the bars. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Spoko? Nope. They don't serve food, do they? Yeah, I, Ton, tons of space though. Uh, Summit. I mean, do they count Stella because it's right by the stadium? Sure, yeah. People walk by. Okay. Nope. Man, a lot of free ads today. Jo- Joseph's Steakhouse. <laughs> Is everyone nope. going to get ribeyes after the game? Number one location for fans to go to after an Iowa home game: Coralville, Texas Roadhouse. Oh come on! I know. Hey, hey. <laughs> I'm calling Watch honk on that. Your tone. <laughs> I, I got I, more Texas Roadhouse takeout once the pandemic hit and like takeout became a big thing. That's I may have single-handedly self-sustained <laughs> the southwest side. I've been to Texas Brothers Roadhouse. after a football game. I feel like there's a lot more people there than fire codes are being broken <laughs> yeah, at Brothers. Yeah. There's no big, rules. Big Grove would be a great place. I I, I can't I, believe Big Grove's not one or two. Yeah. 
I so I went to a lot People of Texas Roadhouse. Off their phones. You can't try. try. I went to a lot of Texas Roadhouse in uh, when I was in college um, to the Cedar Falls one. Yeah, like, there was that run, right on University, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was part of the mall for a while, uh, but That's then they right. moved it away over to University. But anyway, yeah, like since I was on the cheer squad, my family would come up to a lot of you and I like football home games, and that was like just our place after a sure. game. So I I forgot about Texas Roadhouse um, just because like. I have not eaten there in There's like only 15 one, years. Just the one in Cedar Rapids on the southwest side, yeah. yeah. And so it's like, I, that that surprised me, but I'm like, people must still be going to that place after games and keeping it in business. Uh, and it's kind of tucked back there a little bit. Um, kind of, it's the one across from the Walmart, right? I'm trying to think 965 off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Yeah. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings back there. We By are the plugging. way, they're not, they're not paying for us to say this. No, we are plugging <laughs> we're, every We're restaurant. applying for a lot of sponsorships today. There's uh, a Culver's there too, folks, Culver's. Would, would you care to know the number two yeah, restaurant? Yeah, I want to know all these, yeah. Okay, I only know the top two. So number two restaurant after Iowa football games, Cedar Rapids, Texas Roadhouse. I don't believe this. Why are they tracking all the way up to Cedar Rapids? <laughs> a, phones are being tracked. Yeah, very red, red flags. Yeah. And they're all <laughs> they're all going to Texas Roadhouse, apparently. I, I wow. don't know. That stunned me too, but it's I mean, if you're in Iowa and you want to go get some good uh, cinnamon butter on your on your dinner rolls and have a have a awesome blossom, or they, what do they call uh, Boy, that is the wrong steakhouse, sir. <laughs> Cactus blossom. Um, what do they call it? I don't think they have those at Texas Roadhouse. Oh, they absolutely. That is an alternate steakhouse. <laughs> Bloomin' Onion. That's there what it is. we go. That is not. That is not Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> that is the Iowa Hawkeye Football Bowl. Um, <laughs> you get six rolls with takeout uh, mm. orders at Texas Roadhouse, folks. Seems just excessive. A, just a. <laughs> I do. I do not appreciate the way you're speaking about. It's, hey, there's no leftovers when you get six rolls from Texas. I'm not saying that it's not a, I, you know, I think it's a <laughs> good place to eat. I'm just saying, like, if you want to go celebrate, wouldn't you want to go, like, you know, I'd go to Big go Girl. Airliner. I think that's usually my go-to yeah. if, I'm, if I'm doing anything after a game. For I sure. I have, a, I have a good friend, my best friend who used to live in North Liberty, like, swears by Reds. I mean, he's Reds was great. Yeah. Reds, um, well, the group that um, Matt Swift and those guys that are a big part of Big Grove now or started Big Grove. I think the foundation was kind of laid at Reds because they had the fire pit. They were like the first place to have a fire pit and they had a bunch of local beers as the brewing industry was kind of getting started in Iowa. So yeah, that's always been a super good spot. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you guys. If we're going food too, to drag this out longer, Wigan Pen is my favorite place to eat in the Coralville area. I haven't had Wigan Pen in way too long. Yeah. Wine tomato, need it. I think we've covered most of the uh, eateries. Monica's, get to Monica's as soon as you can, folks. Monica's is great. All right, let's see the picks. That's that's why we've just been naming off stuff. Yeah, so Owen won this week, going four and three. I can't believe it. I thought it he had terrible. Indiana covering, which they did. Purdue covering, which they really did. Ohio State pulled away. I think they won by 35. It was 31 and a half. And then Iowa. Mitch and I went three and four. And I won with Michigan and Indiana and Ohio State. And Mitch, you won with Maryland, Northwestern. I was so proud of those and picks. Iowa. And then I whiff on everything else, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so not I a horrible weekend for any of us. Not like a great weekend. Yeah, there's not much a lot to of say, real estate make up for Mitch in the last two weeks. But Mike still retains. There's the a there's a timeline where I finish 20 games under 500, and I just start tanking. Not been watching a lot of Loki, huh? I haven't watched a single episode oh, of the season. That's right. I need you, to you though. Just, I need to. All this talk about timelines now, and the Marvels is coming out, and or is it Marvels? Is it out. came out? Yeah, yeah. Carousel said it was really good. Yeah, Cara did say Shout it. out to Cara. Yeah. She's not going to watch this. She's not a sports fan. <laughs> She's been supporting from the beginning, though. She's been supporting from the beginning. So that's uh, this is why you don't gamble, folks. 
just all this. We don't gamble on these, but this well, is why you Unless don't. it's the Iowa under. I don't. The Iowa <laughs> but, uh, speaking of Iowa's. Mike a, was rooting pretty hard against an Iowa touchdown <laughs> that last drive. That's all I know. Iowa is a three-and-a-half point favorite going into next week's game, this week's game technically now against Illinois. The over-under is 30-and-a-half. What did you say the live over-under was at halftime for Iowa? It was like 15-and-a-half? No, that was last week against Northwestern. It was 15-and-a-half when it was 0-0. I think it was 17-and-a-half at half. Those two points are important, yeah. Yeah, which crush, that went over. Crushed the over on the live. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, this is a football podcast, typically Hawkeyes, uh, even though we got some Cyclone stuff in there, too. Big day as we speak right now. Um, they might already be wrapped up. Iowa women's wrestling with their first home match or home meet ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so congrats to the team there on history. And then uh, is it at 1 or at 2 o'clock that Iowa women's basketball tips off against Tanya Warren's team in Cedar Falls? Uh, Caitlin Clark 16 points away from becoming Iowa's all-time leading scorer, something like that. Uh, Curtis has Iowa women with 44 points. And uh, I think Linden won at 22. So yeah. looks like they're doing pretty well. This this Iowa women's wrestling team is... Uh, they started the year ranked eighth, and yeah. then they demolished the seventh-ranked team. Hopped up to third, right? Uh, oh, I, I guess I didn't see the most recent ranking. I'm pretty sure they're third, I, I saw. So I mean, to be... I, I don't know if I said this on the air or just in person to somebody, but it's like, for your inaugural program to be ranked eighth in the nation <laughs> in the first year is pretty impressive, but... There was no way that they yeah. were not going to be the best team in the country this just year. Just got to give them something to chase, I suppose, right? <laughs> yes, you can't just hand it to them. Got to make You got to put them a little further that. down. You know, I, I, that makes sense. And then the Iowa women's basketball, we want to talk to them a little bit. Um, huge There's, game on Thursday. I mean, I think what they said 16,000 fans in Charlotte for uh, against half a million viewers, and that was going up against Thursday night football and everything like that. I mean, what was it really? I mean, Panthers, Bears. I mean, come on. Is that football? It's an, it's an important game <laughs> to some people. They play at 2 p.m. at the McLeod Center. Is that right? McLeod, yeah. Yeah, if I was uh, Lisa Bluter, I'd be like Fran and say, we're not going back. Just kidding. <laughs> um, that should be a good one, though. That's a deep cut to 2011, was it? Yeah, was my, I, I was there. Yeah, we were both, we've talked yep. about this before. I think that was Fran's first ejection at Iowa. You got ejected. And we were, we, McCabe we got ejected, out, right? We found out after the fact that you and I were like, not yeah. you and I, Mike and myself were like, six feet apart from Probably. each other because i got <laughs> video we of, right of fran getting kicked out and did mckay get two technicals too is that, that McCabe? right yeah yeah okay. i'm pretty sure i was in that building too yeah wow all three of us look at that time's a flat circle oh man they got another big game this thursday against kansas state they lost at kansas state last year yeah. i thought that was a shocking result last year yeah. kansas state is a pretty good team good. Yep. looks like they're not ranked this year at least right now but that one's in iowa city so a little payback yeah. there are the not Hawks. a lot of games on the schedule that I mean, you'd say the same last year that there were not many games that Iowa should lose, but yeah, in the before they get to the Big Ten, I mean, there are not a lot of games on the schedule after Virginia Tech that um, are losable games for Iowa. I mean, Iowa State, you know, they I don't know what to expect out of them. They've got a lot of new faces. Um, Drake's always a good team. I think you and I, you and I is a great team yeah. this year. I think they, but they still, I don't know if they can really hang with Iowa within you know ten or fifteen points. I think they'd be fortunate. It'll be tough if Iowa wins this game, though. There's a darn good chance they're the number one team in the country uh-huh. when the new rankings come out, which that's – how cool is that? Yeah, That'd be super cool. And the way they won the game Thursday, Caitlin had 44 points. At halftime, they were shooting like one for 10 from three or one for 13. They, yeah. The only one was Caitlin, and they were still like winning the game at that point. Yeah. And they were, you know, out outsized 
a lot. They went, they started really small and still were like getting, you know, rebounds against that good Virginia Tech team. It was just a really impressive win. They need to get their three-point shooting figured out. That's been a struggle over the first two games. I think you got to like feel like it's going to come soon. You know, you've seen this team be good with that. Yeah. And um, it might be just like a lull, you know, Mm -hmm. but if they can win these games, especially against a top 10 team like Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech and not shoot well, that's very, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Very promising. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's just the one thing that if there's one thing to poke at over the first couple games, their three point shooting has been bad. And they still might be the number one team in the country <laughs> for 24 hours. That's uh, been a fun time for, for Bluters Bunch, certainly. And I guess, uh, according to announcements at Kinnick Stadium, we're now referring to the men's team as Fran and the Fellas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that. I, hey, I'm a big okay. alliteration guy. I'm all about it. <laughs> they got um, a huge game this week, too, on Tuesday. I'm yeah. excited for that one. We'll probably, maybe we could fit that into the Wednesday pod. I'd be able to do that. Depending yeah. on how it goes. Why not? It's been a fun it's team, too. Creighton. We're making the pod. Yeah. Yeah. We can decide. We'll just keep, and hey, you want to talk about the Hawkeyes beating Bucknell? You were at that game. What a cool uh, atmosphere oh, yeah. the soccer game, the NCAA. Game. I was a NCAA tournament, women's soccer, the first time they've ever hosted a game. I was, I guess, I shouldn't have been shocked at how many people were there. Hmm. I think the, what was it, over 2,000? It's like 2,800, something 2,800. Like I could not find a place to park. I had to park by the um, wow. the rec center um, about like a couple blocks it's, away. Yeah. It's a little bit of a hike. Yeah, there were a lot of people there. It was really fun. Um, zero zero through regulation. They scored two goals in overtime. And they outshot Bucknell. What was it? Yeah, like, it was like twenty nine to th- a lot like to four. A yeah, total of shots. I think shots on goal was like ten to ten to one. They only had like one. Um, but you know, soccer's a game where you could outshoot like that. But if Bucknell had one chance the second half and scored, then they could have been bounced. So it's one of those cruel games where. Um, the shots really don't matter. You got to put them in the back of the net, and they did that in overtime. So it was cool to watch. All right, good for them. So, so do they host the next round? No, or? they they play Georgia, so they're going to go down to Athens, I believe. Wow. Okay. Yeah, man. Then up real quick. Fun times in Iowa City, across the board. Lots yeah. of uh, it's a busy time of year, certainly. And then you got all the state championships for uh for high school football at the dome this yeah. week too. So we got we got what three teams playing for a state title next week? We got uh, Williamsburg. Uh, Grundy Center playing against MFL Marmax, so I guess four teams, and then in class, oh, 4A, Western Dubuque is yeah. playing in there. That's I right. Got, I got there. <laughs> Low correction, they're, they're not playing at Georgia, they're playing in Clemson, South Carolina, so I don't think they would have hosted anyway if oh, Georgia was upset, so. Okay. Yeah, hey. That's on Friday. Fun, uh, yeah, busy times, fun times, wouldn't have it any other way, though. We'll be back here on Wednesday after we talk to everybody on Tuesday, of course, uh, it's going to be senior day next Saturday. At Kinnick, that game kicks off at 2.30 against the Illini. A lot of senior day memories, I'm sure, we'll, we'll share or reflections from players after we talk to them on Tuesday. But it'll be a fun one, the home finale in 2023 for this Iowa Hawkeye team as they look to clinch the Big Ten West. Again, everybody, thanks for watching uh, the stream if you have, or thanks for listening if you listen to this later on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, whenever it may be. Eye on the Hawks on Twitter. Iowa's News Now on YouTube and Instagram for everything else, all those visuals and all the fun consumables throughout the week. We'll see you again Wednesday. For Mike and Owen, I'm Mitch. Catch you then.